1: Many
2: people kind of think that the work of the church is done just by pastors and elders and teachers well that's true but of course we couldn't do that can you imagine us last weekend we had like eight or nine ten thousand people at our campuses can you imagine us doing that without volunteers I mean there's no way I'd be in the parking lot parking every car who's preaching well, I don't know whenever he gets done well it doesn't work that way so the whole goal of this is to make sure that you are gifted you know you are from god everybody is and you do the
0: work of the ministry in the american church due to their prosperity and the influence of corporate business thinking many have come to believe that the functioning of the church is the sole responsibility of those only in leadership nothing could be further from the truth pastor mark will be teaching about the proper operation of the church you will be using Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica to illustrate how God wants the local assembly to operate. In particular, he'll be talking about the attitudes the leadership and the congregation should have, and how everybody needs to be working together to make things run right. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, as he begins his message, Biblical Truths in Action in a Church Family.
1: Lord, let your
0: you can turn to 1 Thessalonians
2: chapter 5, and it's just a great passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul as he's speaking to a small church that he established. Now, we're going to go back in time just a little bit. Some of you younger won't know this, but the other, like 95% of the people probably know this. Anybody recognize this family? (laughs) How many recognize? Come on. Yeah, exactly. All in the family. It was funny in a lot of ways, but you couldn't learn really too much from them, except not how to do family. Well, today, Paul is going to talk about a different family. A church family. Do you know that we're family? And as we go through this today, you're going to see something. He's been talking Paul about the future, huh the rapture, second coming, how to make sure we go to heaven. Now he brings it in and says, remember, he's talking to a small church he'd established, maybe 50, 75 people, and he's saying to them, I want this church to be healthy. They were growing. But sometimes, as churches grow and people grow, they get sidetracked, and they get off the main thing. So Paul's going to talk about how to live here now, and it relates to you and me. So just pretend you're this family, a church family, and Paul's going to give us practical ways to put the truth of the Bible in there, and he's going to speak about attitudes a lot, and then, of course, a healthy, thriving church. We begin in chapter 5, verse 12. And Paul says this. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard, in love because of their work, and live in peace with each other. So, this first section, Paul is writing to the church. How does the congregation act toward the leaders of the church? Now, that was easy for Paul to write because he wasn't in the church building. He was writing a letter to them. It's a little more difficult for me to talk about responding to me and obeying me and submitting to me because I'm right in front of you. But it's okay because it's the same principles. Now, who is he talking about their church leaders? Pastors, teachers, and elders. Now, there's lots of leaders in a church and small groups and leaders teaching our kids and all that, but that's who he's really talking about, the hierarchy of the leadership in the church, pastors, elders, teachers as doing that. Now, as you know, God designed the church to be governed by human leadership. It would be nice if God was just here. I'd have nothing to do. He just teach us. Here's the problem with human leadership. There are no perfect leaders. I'm not a perfect leader, far from it. Now don't look at me like that. I'm not a perfect leader. You're not a perfect congregation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, nah. Am I right? Yeah, we're just humans. The Bible does give us for you and for myself many qualities specifically I'll talk initially About pastors, if you go to Timothy and Titus, we're told what the requirements are and what that job description looked like from God. So the first thing you want to write is this. Leadership is crucial in every area of life, including the church. You see, if you're going to have a healthy home, there's going to be a leader. If you're going to have a healthy workplace, there's going to be a leader, you just can't get people together and go, well, do whatever you like to do. It doesn't work that way. Now, I'm going to read from Ephesians. Paul wrote this to the church, and it's the goal of spiritual leaders. What are they trying to do? Now, as you know, watch this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Now, why did he give them to the church? These are gifts God's given Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Now, that word equip means to make right, to get ready, to be prepared to do God's work. The pastor teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, the pastor teachers' responsibility is to live and teach the word of God so that you, the congregation really do the work of the church. Many people don't understand that. Many people kind of think that the work of the church is done just by pastors and elders and teachers. Well, that's true, but of course we couldn't do that. Can you imagine us last weekend? We had like eight or nine, 10,000 people at our campuses. Can you imagine us doing that without volunteers? I mean, there's no way. I'd be in the parking lot parking every car. Who's preaching? I don't know whenever he gets done. Well, it doesn't work that way. So the whole goal of this is to make sure that you are gifted. You know you are from God. Everybody is. And you do the work of the ministry. And it's all about two words, unity and maturity, spiritual maturity. Look at the rest of the verse. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature spiritually, measuring up to the full and complete standard Now, if we go back to our verse, here's verse 12. To respect those who work hard among you. So here's the first thing I want to tell you. The congregation, this is why it's hard for me to say, is to respect and honor their spiritual leaders. It's not just about me, it's all the pastors. You know, we have about 17 pastors that are on our staff that handle all of this. And of course, then we have elders added to that. Now, honor is due to those leaders, whether it's paid staff or volunteers. Almost all of our elders, actually every one of our elders except for one, are volunteers. They just work a real job, and then they come and become elders here. Now, they work hard. It's God's work. God gives them the abilities and energy to do what they do, all of us. Now, some of you don't understand. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm supposed to respect those who work hard. Who is that? can't be you. You only preach three times on a week, and it's all on a weekend. <laughs> the rest of the time, you're playing golf or going shopping or something, whatever. Get real, would you? Anybody want to follow the pastors for a week in their life? No, we love doing this. I just want to joke that with you. You know, how did I know that it would be a hard thing to work hard in as a pastor? Because my grandpa was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I knew if I God ever called me to be a pastor, this is going to be a hard thing to do. But it's a blessing thing to do. Because if God calls you, you just love doing what he calls you to do. If he doesn't call you, don't be a pastor. Can I just say it like that? Because you will never make it through. I have to have God all the time. Now, that honor is to do for us is to just respond how we work, how we do. You really don't know this, but I'm not a smart pastor, really. I'm not brilliant by any means. Do you know that usually the sermons that I teach on the weekend take me anywhere from 20 to 30 hours of study? You say, well, you really are slow. (laughs) I am. But you know what I have to do all the time? I have to say, put my stuff aside and say, God, what do you want your people to hear? That takes me a lot of time, the application of that. So that's just one part. Of course, we do all the other, the counseling, ministering. I teach the young pastors three weeks out of the month. We have our own meeting on Wednesdays for an hour. I teach them mostly. Sometimes Pastor Day will teach others, but mostly I do that. So that's our work week. And of course, taking care of the people, ministering to them. Now, notice the next thing, verse 12. Who are over you in the Lord... And because of that, they admonish you. These spiritual leaders, pastor, teacher, elders, have been given the authority from God to lead. And they cannot be dictators, but simply servant leaders. There are pastors who have fallen over the last few years who were dictators, They didn't listen to the other elders. They didn't listen to anybody. They just did their thing. Well, that's not the way it works. You see, sometimes those kind of people, you have to be careful with them, they don't realize who is their example. Now, would you say our example is a human? Our example is who? Jesus. Now, did Jesus drive people? No, he led people. A shepherd didn't drive the sheep. He got in front of them and they followed him. So you could never be a dictator as a pastor because eventually you'll lose the church. God hates that kind of leadership. He lovingly led his sheep. Remember the two words? Follow me. Follow me. Paul understood that principle. In 1 Corinthians 11, he said this, follow my example as i follow christ so as a leader all of our pastors were people that you should imitate in our walk with god that's why we have to be open before you that's why i'm open before you i share with you my heart my failures just like all of us have and that's the way we do it now look at hebrews 13:7 remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Now, this is going to be mostly talking about pastors. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. See, faith has to come from the word of God. It's an action. If I teach the word of God, but my life doesn't match it, there's a big problem. Know the word, do the word. And that's a challenge to the pastors. Imitate their faith. Remember them? respect them, appreciate your leaders. Now, there's lots of practical ways to do that. At this point, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the other pastors. By the way, when you go back, all of you have children. If you have children in the kids' ministry all the way up to the young teenagers, if you happen to see your pastor, you guys that have youth out here and you see Jackson and you have Steve and the other people learning kids' ministry, as you're picking up your children, it's not a bad thing to say to the teachers that are leading your kids, The pastors that are leading your kids, thank you. Is that a bad thing? That's a great thing. Because they just need an encouragement once in a while. And that's exactly what it says here. Just consider their way of life, respect them, and do that. Now, there's another thing you can do. You can actually email your pastor or a pastor that you like. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the other pastors. You don't have to say anything to me. Because the way you guys serve, that's all the thank you I need. Seriously. I know when I was sick, you sent me letters and prayed for me. I appreciate that. But realistically, sometimes the other pastors... If you see them, just stop them and say, good job, text them, do whatever, and make sure that they feel loved. Now, here comes a verse that you won't like, but it's written by God, so you have to like it. Here we go. (laughs) Obey your leaders, here's the S word, and submit to their authority. Well, why should you do that? They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. Now watch this. For that would be of no advantage to you. Obey and submit. So the second thing that Paul teaches his church is this. The congregation is to obey and submit to the spiritual leaders. It's not just one person. We're a team together, a leadership team, to their spiritual leaders. Now, why would that be? Why would the congregation have to submit to what the pastor says? He's not driving. The elders are not driving you. Why would you have to do that? Well, life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Leadership in the church, you have to understand this. Leadership, pastor, teachers, elders... We deal all the time with life and death. You understand that in a physical way. People that are sick, buries, funerals, all those kind of things. But realistically, most of our work is really death and life that's eternal. Where are people going to spend eternity? And that we take very seriously. Paul understood the great responsibility of being a godly leader And he challenged the younger pastors and elders. Understand what you're doing. The congregation is to obey and submit to their leaders. Now, Paul planted lots of churches. And he always had younger pastors as we do. As you know, we're raising more and more younger pastors up. Our praise bands. We're getting younger people in there. There's nothing wrong with the older people. Some of us older people are still here. But we just keep doing that. Because why? You want the next generation to do what? Eventually take over, obviously. Now, when Paul was leaving this group of pastors and elders in Ephesus, he went with them. Look what he wrote. These are all pastors. He writes to them this. Keep watch over yourself. In other words, pay attention. You're a role model. You better be doing what God called you to do. Then he says this. And all the flock which is the congregation of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You see, God planted you in this church. If you call this your church, he knew who the leaders were going to be. And so we are to make sure we watch over ourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made us. Now, here we are. Be shepherds of the church of God. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So Paul writes this. But when you watch that, what is he saying? He's saying to these leaders, look, you are here. You are responsible, pastor leaders, to the people under your care. You have to declare the whole truth in a loving way to protect people from Satan's desire to kill, steal, and destroy. On judgment day, every pastor, every spiritual elder will have to give an account of their ministry, their methods their character, their attitudes, and their integrity. Now, that's hard because we're not perfect. He's not going to expect us to be perfect. But see, I'm going to have to stand before God how I dealt with you. Did I do it in a loving way? Did I do it with the correct attitude? Is my character close to growing to be more and more like Godly? Do I have an attitude? Do, do I want to beat you, drive you? Or do I lovingly want to serve you? I'm going to have to stand before God. Now, that's something that I always knew because I was born, like I told you, in a house with a grandfather and a dad that was a pastor. You're going to have to stand for your own direction. But you have a less issue. Why? Because I have thousands of people that I'm responsible for. Under God, That is a challenge to all of us. Warren Wiersbe says this. One day, every pastor will have a given account of his ministry to the Lord God. And he wants to be able to do it with joy. A disobedient Christian will find on that day that the results of their disobedience are unprofitable, not for the pastor, but for themselves. You see, I have to try to challenge you And I'll do that. Paul's doing it. I'm just reading what Paul's doing. I have to challenge you to keep growing, to keep maturing, to keep in unity. I can't make you do that. I could try to drive you to make you to do that. Of course not. I could say to you, do this. No, I have to challenge you to do it. And then you have to do it because you have your own will. So if a person doesn't respect the pastor, if he's teaching the word and challenging you, say, "I'm not interested at all then who's the one that's really going to suffer? You, not me. I can't respond to you, but I will respond if I'm not doing well in the pulpit, if I'm not kindly teaching you and admonishing you. Then he says this in verse 12, live in peace with each other. The only way we can have peace in a family, by the way, do you need peace in your home? Do you need unity in your home? Oh, yes. But in the church, we have to follow spiritual leaders who are following God. If we do that, it flows together. So here's the third key Paul is saying to the congregation, and I'm teaching you. The congregation is to live in peace and unity. The focus is unity. Real life is done with real people. Conflict, tension, disagreements, hurt feelings, broken relationships. All of us are real people here. We have real relationships. but when I submit to God in His leadership, in His word, the result will be this: unity, but not any division. Satan has a goal for you, for me, and for a church. He loves to divide. God loves to unite Satan. Loves to divide. He will try to find a way to divide your home, your unity, and your marriage. Can two walk together unless they agree? No. So why do we have all these divorces? Because people won't submit to each other. They just head off and do their own thing. Well, God hates that. He likes unity. He likes people working together. Strength is in unity flowing together. Satan always wants to divide us. He likes to split us up. Now, can I say this to you? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You think they're in unity? Perfect unity. Now, we'll never be perfect, but that's our goal. And so Paul says, you need to be at peace with one another. Shouldn't be division. And you should have that unity that flows together. Now, I just want to say thank you. I want all of you looking at me. Out in the comments. Put that shake down right now. Put it down. Here we go. For 27 years, we've never had any kind of a split in our church in 27 years. Some of you have church history. I think I've been through one, two, three churches that had splits in my life. Three. And what does that do to the community? They laugh at us. You're supposed to love God. You're supposed to be together. Look at that. And you know, we have more of this today. People will split off a church and go, and a pastor will plant a church next to the one they just were at.
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of leadership in all areas of life, and that God is the one who created leadership, not men you were reminded about your need to respect and honor your leaders. Understanding that they're trying to be an example to you and teach you about how to live a godly life as they try to do the same. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Viera. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his message, Biblical Truths in Action in a Church Family. You'll talk more about the responsibilities that God's given to those in leadership in the church. You'll hear about what's expected from the congregation as well. Pastor Mark will caution you about the attitudes that both leadership and the church goers should have toward one another and God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Live Here Now, Then Live There Forever. It's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry